Hello, I'm Alec Wilkinson with episode 22 of Sailing Uncovered, the final show of 2018. If you've even just thought of trying kiteboarding, then you've got to listen to our first interview with Daniela Moroz. Then we'll hear from American Volvo Ocean Race skipper Charlie Enright. And an end-of-year show wouldn't be worth its salt if we didn't have some outtakes for you as well. So first up, a bit of kiteboarding, which makes its debut in the Olympics in 2024. And the incredible 17-year-old from California who won multiple championship titles this year, including the Worlds, where she won, get this, 14 of the 15 races to take gold. I called up with Daniela Moros in Florida and asked her, how do you get to dominate a sport at such a young age? I guess I grew up around kiting and around windsurfing and both of my parents were longtime windsurfers so I was just always around the water and um, around those kind of sports so um, when it came the time to kind of get into some kind of water sport I was already swimming all the time and I loved being in the water but I chose to learn to kite and um, it was around the time when like Johnny and Erica Heineken were dominating the racing scene and um, being able to like growing up in San Francisco and having role models like that has been um, really kind of helpful in my experience and um, that's kind of what led me to where I am now where I just love what I'm doing and um, wouldn't give it up for anything and um, it's been difficult at times obviously like I am 17 and um, I'm still in high school and uh, there's a lot of challenges that come with that but at the same time, it's like I welcome those challenges because I've grown so much as a person and I've learned so many lessons from that that I wouldn't have otherwise. So, so what sort of lessons? I guess, um, I don't know, it's just been... there's. So I'll, tell, I'll tell you what I'm thinking here. I'm thinking there are, I don't know, 15 and 16-year-olds out there who are trying to convince their parents that they really need to spend more time on the water. So what lessons can they quote from you uh, to, to you know convince their parents to let them do that there's just so much self-growth that happens when you're on the water and you learn so much about yourself and you have to be disciplined and you grow mentally and physically stronger and you learn to adapt to different situations that you may not necessarily find yourself in in any other kind of sport and constantly having to adapt to these kind of changes and like realize that you're only in control of so much and you kind of have to let go of what you can't control um so there's just like the list goes on but there's just so much like so many things that you can learn about yourself I think that's been the biggest for me so tell us about high school well you know how's it going where is it first of all uh I go to Camp Lindo High School in Moraga California and it's that's in like the east San Francisco Bay Area and it's going pretty well. I'm in senior year right now, so final year, um, working on college applications or university applications. So, so how do you mix, you know, schoolwork with with training? Um, it's difficult. It's, I'm not gonna lie. It's definitely been like the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But, um, you know, like when I'm at events while other people maybe go out late for dinner or something I just go back to the hotel and study and get some assignments done and then um, when I'm home I miss out on some you know Friday night get-togethers or I 
am up really, really late some nights just making up that extra work that I missed when I was gone. So um, there's a lot of sacrifices, but in the end, I have just grown so much from it, and I'm so much mentally stronger than I would be without it. So um, I just, I'm if I had to do it again, I would. Well, it sounds like a, a real feat, you know, juggling everything. Um, but I have to say, it's about time Steph Bridge had a challenger, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I have so much respect for Steph Bridge. She's just incredible. And to be dominating, like, the sport for so long. And um, I hope I can be, like, half as good at kiting at her age and doing what she is now. So it's just incredible. And I really look up to that. You're actually uh, same age as one of her sons, aren't you, I think? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. right in between the middle and the youngest, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, they're, they're legends. They're a great family. Um, we've interviewed them on the podcast, and uh, they've got some fantastic stories. Um, and talking of fantastic stories, I love the fact that you've been sailing competitively since before you were born. Yeah, so it is a funny story that my mom was a competitive windsurfer, and um, every year there was this race, and it was a long-distance race in the San Francisco Bay called the Classic, and it takes you on a about 30-mile tour around the bay. And this is a windsurfing race, and it's pretty hardcore. It's one of those races where 40 people will start, only eight will finish. Um, and in the summer of 2000, my mom did that race, and it was one of those really tough years where probably about 40 people started, but only eight finished. And she was one of those eight finishers, and she completed it when she was pregnant with me. Fantastic. Now, you've mentioned California a few times. That's where you live. That's where you've grown up. Um, so uh, where is the, the kite surfing mecca of California? It would have to be at Chrissy Field in San Francisco. And um, we've been really lucky that the St. Francis Yacht Club has really hosted kite surfing regattas ever since like the late 90s, I think, is when they started, you know, trying this new thing out and you know a bunch of the locals from Chrissy Field went up to the yacht club and they said hey we want to try to race kites like can you help us out and they did that they took a chance on that and now kite surfing is a world sailing event and it's going to be in the Olympics and um, I think like kite racing started in San Francisco which is pretty important thing and um, now to be like training there all the time in such difficult conditions and against, you know, one of, some of the greatest sailors in the world, like Johnny Heineken, Joey Pasquale. Um, it's just, uh, I couldn't be luckier. And um, you need girls to come down and start um, kite surfing, giving it a go, don't you? Because um, the world of, of, of kiteboarding needs more women. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's a developing sport and we got to start somewhere, but there's already so many girls that are getting into it and we've seen a bunch more participation especially in the last few events just from many more girls around the world and I think it's really exciting to see that development happening as we move closer to 2024. Okay Daniela very best of luck and uh, hopefully we'll see you in Paris in six years time. Yeah absolutely thank you. We've got photos, videos and loads more info on Daniela on our Sailing Uncovered Facebook page including a link to her website. 
We recently put together a load of data about this podcast for potential sponsors. And by the way, if you have a company that you think is interested in reaching a dedicated audience of sailing and adventure fans, then drop us a line via the Facebook page. One of the things that came out of all the data were the top 10 episodes of 2018. What was your favourite? Let's see if it made the top 10. At number 10 and 9, our Sailing Uncovered Extra interviews behind the scenes with the World Sailors of the Year, Caroline Brower and Mary Ryu. And ninth place was Pavlos Contides' interview at the awards. In 8th, episode 21, we spoke to the Kiwis and their Olympic team about that battle for the one place in the 49ers uh, now that Burling and Tuke are back in the running. And we also spoke to Alex Alley about his round-the-world record, which, by the way, is about to get underway right now. Episode 15, the USA's big sailing debate, which is best, east or west? That made it into number... Seven In sixth place, episode 18, where we found out what it's like to sail blind, quite literally, and a big sailing movement uh, to help blind people get on the water. And we also heard about Sam Davis's plans for her route to rum. Episode 19 is in fifth place, our World Championship preview and our preview to the e-sailing World Championships. Tracy Edwards at the London Boat Show is in fourth, in third our interview with Santi Langer and our preview of the Golden Globe race. That was episode 17. Then it's a big jump in download numbers to number two and our Sailing Uncovered Extra with Alex Thompson, which means our most downloaded episode in 2018 was episode 20, Life Changing Voyages, featuring Giovanni Soldini, the Italian round-the-world sailor, and Casper Craven, a man who gave up everything packed his family into a yacht and sailed around the world he returned a millionaire so there you go our top 10 most downloaded episodes in 2018 so what was your favorite let us know on the facebook page right charlie enright co-skippered vestas 11th hour racing alongside mark towel in the volvo ocean race they finished in the summer in fifth place despite a fatal collision in hong kong that meant they missed two legs entirely so will he be back and what's he been up to since the end of the race i've been trying to get a little time to relax but it's uh it's hard to come by um you know here we are in in, in switzerland and geneva um at the isc um, doing some work with the 11th hour racing folks um, in and around sustainability today as it pertains to the SDGs and did a little chat about sports sponsorship this morning. So, uh, yeah, eager to get back out on the water, but uh, finding it hard to get the time. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because you've, you've done a lot of uh, work with 11th hour racing, this sort of environmental project, let's call it that. And there's there was a lot of talk and publicity around the Volvo Ocean Race and the environmental work you were all doing and, and involvement with that. Um, but you're continuing it now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, the environmental initiative doesn't end, uh, you know, July 1st when the race does. Certainly it's a lifelong mission and one that, you know, we're continuing to carry forward, um, you know, hopefully into the next race. But that kind of remains to be seen at this stage. But uh, yeah, I'm mixing my time now between uh, obligations like this and getting as much time on the water as I possibly can. Um, and how do you find talking at conventions rather than uh, being at the helm of a fast-moving beast in the Southern Ocean? Yeah, um, 
juxtaposition, certainly, um, to say the least. And the way that it's set up for us right now, you can't have one without the other. But um, you know, they're equally rewarding, you know, in their own right. Um, in a lot of ways, this is um, a lot easier <laughs> than, than what you just outlined in the Southern Ocean. But you know, in other ways, it's more difficult because you know, I'm not a public speaker by nature, and um, you know, this isn't my profession. This isn't what I went to school for. Um, more of a microphone and a sound piece um, than anything else. But um, like I said, they can both be equally rewarding and happy to do the work. There are a lot of sailors now involved in spreading the environmental message, especially about the oceans. Um, it seems a, a kind of a, an obvious match-up, but why do you think they're more engaged than other sports people? I mean, we've just heard someone high up in football saying they'd love to get footballers engaged, but you couldn't think of a less environmentally friendly lifestyle than many many top footballers, is, is what he said. Um, but why, why does a sailor, do you think, fit better? With, with the environmental message? Um, yeah, I think as it pertains to the ocean specifically, you know, because it's our racetrack and we see it with our own eyes. Um, but as it relates to, you know, something like climate change, you know, I can't, I can't say for really, for real what the correlation there is. Um, but you've, you've level personally, of education, um, you've, you've personally seen the, uh, the effects of climate change, haven't you? Yeah, uh, you know, through, through the lens of the ocean, certainly. Um, but, you know, it was really interesting to hear him say that, um, you know, that athletes in other sports can't be held accountable and never will be, and we should just move on with that concept because, and he cited finance and, and, and wealth for being the reason that that's not the case. I mean, there are plenty of wealthy folks out there um, who understand these things and give back every day. So, I mean, ignorance, I think, would be the real reason that, you know, other athletes can't um, come to grips with what's happening and uh, be proud to spread the message and take time out of their lives to do so. So let's go to grassroots sailing. What can the sailor at his local club do to, to help the environment? There's tons of stuff that um, every individual can do, you know, whether they're a sailor or not, um, but a lot of it crosses over, you know, whether it's you know, the elimination of single-use plastics, you know, when you're going sailing on your boat on an evening race, you know, save the save the bottled water for another time, bring your reusable, um, you, know, you know, water bottles, um, whether it's how do you get to the, you know, yacht club or sailing center after work every day to go sailing, are you taking a car, are you walking, are you biking, um, you know, when you leave home, did you turn the lights off, um, you know, what is the toothbrush that you use to brush your teeth in the morning made out of? I mean, they're endless. I mean, the stuff, the chips, the snacks, everything you're going to bring on board. What kind of bag did you bring it from the grocery store in? You know, is it a reusable bag? Is it a plastic bag? I mean, it's everything you do, it gets ingrained in you. Um, so whether it's sailing or just lifestyle, I mean, sailing is just a medium for talking about it. My current bugbear, we should all have reusable cups to take to the coffee house chains instead of using their non-recyclable cups. Well, let's talk about sailing. What's going on? What's what's your latest news? Been doing a, f a fair bit of sailing. Um, trying to do some foiling, which is uh, which is fun. Just uh, I, I got a wasp, and there's a couple of these TF10s in and around Newport. I've been sailing on, which is pretty cool. Foiling trimarans. Um, also doing a lot of offshore stuff. Sailing on the X Groupama now Wizard. Uh, we just sailed to Florida last week, and we got a pretty robust schedule for 2019. Uh, so that's good. Um, trying to get in and out on the Amoka when we can. I think, you know, hopefully if we play our cards right, that's in our future. But, um, you know. When you say our future, what do you mean? Oh, um, the, some of the guys that we sailed with in the past. Um, you know, Charlie and his team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, myself and, and, and Mark and whoever else will come with us if we're able to get this thing off the ground again. But, uh, you know, a little unfinished business. You know, the last race didn't really go as planned. 
um, for us, you know, which is unfortunate, but you are where you are. I mean, can't, can't change that. We had a great group of, uh, individuals, but more than that, we had a, we had a great team and, uh, had some good moments early on and then, you know, de derailed about halfway around, but, uh, it'd be tough to go out like that. So we're looking for another, uh, another crack at it. So what does that involve, the long road to getting a, a sponsor? Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, you know, finding sponsorship is is not easy. That is for sure. Um, we've been fortunate now um, to have done two laps with totally different sponsors. Um, sponsor retention can be even harder, so that's something that we're, we're, we're working on right now, um, but also exploring new, um, new leads as well. You know, in the meantime, you can't lose sight of the sailing aspect, so trying to do as much quote-unquote cross-training as we can, uh, keeping up to date um, with the rules and the regulations, seeing what the next race is actually going to look like. Just looking back at the, the race you've just done, what, what's the one memory that will always be with you? Um, unfortunately, uh, the one memory that will live with me is being in my bunk and feeling the boat going from 20 degrees of <laughs> lured heel to 20 degrees of weather heel and knowing that we'd snapped our rig and coming on deck to see um, what was a great comeback on, on the part of our team and uh, a lot of good effort put in by the guys and gals um, to kind of be thrown away uh, just, just, just all in one second. But, um, you know, that's how it goes. That's what keeps us hungry and motivated and fighting for more. As an American sailor, when are we going to see more American sailors dominate in the pro circuit? Yeah, it's 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 tough to say. Um, you know, I think that there's good news on the home front. Certainly, um, today uh, we just won the Nations Cup, which is pretty cool. The uh, ISAF Youth Games um, that was encouraging, and I think a big step for 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 U.S. sailing. It's the overall trophy um, for the dinghy ISAF competitions: double-handed, skiffs, single-handed. Yeah, so uh, it, it's it's hopefully indicative of things to come. Um, you know, there's there's great stuff going on with American Magic um, where I live in Bristol, Rhode Island, that's where they're building their boat right now. Um, and word of a potential, yep, yep. And then word of a second American Cup team maybe, which would be great too, and provide some opportunity there. Yeah, and then I think it'd be great to see, uh, you know, an entry or two uh, from the States in this next race, whether it be in the 60 or the 65. So, um, you know, we definitely know we got some work to do, but there's some some good things churning in the background. So Yeah, finally, what, what's, what's next for you? Yeah, really the big project for me is getting back to the start line uh, here in this next Volvo and hope to be doing some Amoka sailing in, uh, in short order. Um, but in the meantime, like I said, doing a lot of sailing on the um, X Group Palma, Volvo 70, got a pretty big schedule there. Um, the Jamaica race, the Caribbean 600, Transatlantic, Fastnet, Middle Sea. So um, that's good stuff to have uh, in the background. I'm really looking forward to that as well. Are you still in touch with um, any of your crew, all of your crew, just some of the crew? Do you um, ever have little get-togethers to remember the bad old times or the good old times? Yeah, all, all, all of the above. You know, we had a great group and we stay in uh, constant touch and a lot of us are still, um, you know, sailing together today. Um, so, yeah, we, we had a great group and uh, we'll continue to... Uh, stay in touch forever I'd imagine we've been through some serious stuff together that's almost it for this episode except to say that we've been adding new listeners from new countries all through 2018 so what are the top 10 countries listening to Sailing Uncovered at 10 it's Spain at 9 Sweden number 8 is Hong Kong number 7 Germany France at 6 New Zealand down in 5th 
We've even done a whole episode on New Zealand Olympic sailing. Come on, spread the word across New Zealand. You are big sailing fans down there. Canada have just pipped you into that fourth place. Australia a third. And then it's a big jump to the UK in second. And number one, the United States. One of the most exotic places we'll take your pick. We've got Haiti, there's Kits and Nevis, uh, the Solomon Islands, French Polynesia, wherever you're listening. Thanks very much. It's much appreciated. And that is it for another Sailing Uncovered episode. In fact, for another year. Here's to more fab sailing stories and adventures in 2019. And if you think it's fun doing this podcast, you'd be absolutely right. But I'll let you into a secret. It's not always plain sailing. Good afternoon. Or good morning. Or hello. Or hello. Hello. <laughs> that went well destroyed one of your foils early uh, on in the in the in the previous race do you think that that was what decided it in the end uh, hello do you have some gems toilets at all through that way i think yes, now in the early stages of the last race you destroyed one of your foils do you think that was the difference between first and second uh, now mike we mustn't forget the bsb the BSB. How could we forget the BSB? What does BSB stand for? <laughs> Sorry, I thought I saw you shake your... No, no, no. <laughs> this podcast will be on our Facebook site. <laughs> it's called a page. It's called a page. It's called a page. It's a Facebook page. <laughs> it's on something called the, the World Wide Web. It'd never catch on. <laughs> A Volvo race boat has a sail area the equivalent of two and a half tennis courts. That's an awful lot of power. Right. I don't think we could have been better than that. It was all fairly mediocre. Goodbye. All you have to do is like it, and you'll be entered into a chance to win some tickets. Five pairs? Five pairs are out there. That's a whole ten tickets. <laughs> Ooh, aren't we generous? Bleed a straw, Mr. Wilkinson. <laughs> <laughs>